And sure am thankful for that. While you're standing, Luke chapter 9, thank you for remaining standing to honor God's word as we read it. I'll say it again. Brother Max already said it well. Guest, it is an honor to have you with us. And we are, we are so very thankful. Church family, don't get tired of saying amen to guests being here. And if we want them to know that we're happy that they're here, there's different ways to express that. One is simply saying amen to that. Two is actually finding somebody you don't know, smiling at them and asking them their name. And I know in this age that's weird and creepy and makes everybody uncomfortable, but it's only weird if you make it weird. So don't. And you're like, well, that's harder for some of us than it is for others. I agree. I am one of those people for whom it is hard to not always come across weird. But you just smile big enough. Hi! <laughs> anyway. All right, Luke chapter 9. Um, I, told, I mentioned this uh, last Sunday that we would be in this same text. Last Sunday we, be, we began in verse 18, and the main focus began, dealt with in verse 23. He says this, And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And we were talking about the cost of following Jesus, how we live in a me first culture. But in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's actually you last and him first. And it's putting and learning how to put him first. And if we're going to legitimately follow Jesus Christ, it must be him first. But then there's a principle here that I was taught by Pastor Hardy. And uh, I want you to know when I am taught things and share them with you where they come from. And so God ultimately deserves the credit, but I'm so thankful for Pastor Hardy's investment in my life and, and he's invested much in this church. And he taught this to me, to our staff, when I was privileged to be a part of it and to the church family there. And this is something that he has reminded me of several times. So beginning in, again in verse number 23, And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged? If you look at Matthew 16 or Mark chapter 8, he uses the word profit to describe this. For what is a man advantaged? If he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me. And that means to reject, to say this has no value in my life. And of my words, of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory. And in his father's and of the holy angels. So the title this morning is this. The thought is this. Gain versus profit. Gain and profit, as you know, are not the same thing. But sometimes as Christians, we get them confused. And we look at something that is gain, and we conclude that it is profitable. And often, some of the things that we gain are the most detrimental to us spiritually, physically, and eternally. So gain versus profit. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing uh, we, had, we had some people that uh, just came down with some unexpected sickness. A couple of teachers, so thankful for how people step up in those instances. And the lady that was supposed to sing this morning, uh, she came down with something. 
And so about an hour before the service, um, Alex volunteered to take care of the special and then voluntold her baby sister. And uh, so Alex and Addie Kay are going to sing. It's a great song, and I appreciate them getting it ready on short notice. And then after that, we'll get to the preaching. Praise the Lord uh, for it. Jesus is a God of hope. And uh, in however dark or deep the valley is, he, see th- he sees things 
that you don't see. Man, I'm all about when people come here and it's a mess, advocating for a brighter and a better day than you can even imagine. And it doesn't mean the pain isn't real, and it doesn't mean the valleys don't hurt, but there is a mountaintop that he wants to take you to. And it doesn't, we don't know how long, we don't know how far, but we know that he sees things that we don't see. And I'm so, so thankful for it. Basically, the song is this, trust your Savior more than your senses. Trust your Savior more than your own senses and your own assessment of life. Many of you have heard the story of a man entitled or titled, How Much Land Does a Man Need? This man had a unique opportunity to make a deal with a group of individuals, and he was told that you can have as much land as you want if you can walk around it and arrive back at this starting point. But here's the parameters of it. You walk around all the land that you want to, but you can't start before sunrise, and you have to be back at this point by sunset of the same day. And whatever you walk around, you can have all of that land. So he began his journey with great enthusiasm and with the intention of disciplining himself to not go after too much. But you know how it is when you say, I'm going to go, men, I'm going to go into the hunting store. And I'm only, babe... I'm only going to get this one thing. Or ladies, whatever it is, your jam. Some of these ladies in here, they like hunting stores more than their husbands. Yeah, you don't have to admit that. I know that is true. You say, no, I'm going to go into here. My, my daughters, because of the influence of their mother, they love Goodwill. And uh, I mean, just, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm going to buy 8,000 things for $2.37, and I just feel good about myself somehow. I don't know what that is. But I'm going to look, I'm, I'm only going to get this one thing. Man, I, I like stuff. I, get, I don't ever, I hardly ever, I don't, never is not, I don't usually go grocery shopping, especially at Costco. And, and so when I go with Andrea, I'm just like, there's like, 87,000 Oreos in that one package. We don't need it. It's just so big and it looks fun. And so I'm just literally grabbing stuff and throwing it into the cart. You know how that is. It's like, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. It just looks fun to have. I mean, 18 boxes of Kleenexes. We could run out someday. I don't know. So you just, he had the intent. This man had the intent. I'm not going to go around more than I need. But then he looked over and he saw a meadow. Like, man, that meadow's pretty. And so he deviated. And then he saw a stream not longer after that. And he said, oh, man, it would be great for livestock and to be able to relax. And, and one day I'll have a family and to be able to raise children by that stream. And so he went a little further around. And then he looked up and he saw this peak. And he said, man, it would be great to be, have that part of this mountain range. And so he took the time to traverse it. And to come down one side and over a ways and come back up it. And then he saw a pasture, a field that would be great to have. And he continued to see more and more. And before he know it, knew it, the, the afternoon was quickly passing. And the early signs of the sunset were visible. And he realized that he had gone much further than he intended. And that if he didn't get back to the starting point, that all of his effort would be in vain. And so he began to run. 
You need to know because he didn't think in his mind that this would be a full day venture that would require much energy from him. He didn't take any food. He didn't take any water. And so by late afternoon, his body's already feeling the effects of being dehydrated and not having enough nutrients. And yet he recognizes that if I don't push myself and get back to that starting point, every effort I've made is in vain. And so he begins to run. And he runs, and he runs, and the breathing is hard, and his stomach is churning, and his muscles are aching, and they're screaming, but he knows, if I, if I don't get back to that starting point, I'm, I'm going to have spent all of this energy, and I'm not going to have gained anything. Just as the sun is beginning to set, and the final rays are beginning to drop behind the horizon, he can see the finish line, and the group of witnesses there are beginning to cheer and to urge him on, and he's running with Everything that he has, and just as the final ray drips behind the horizon, he reaches the starting line and collapses in exhaustion. The witnesses are amazed and they cheer. Great job. It's all yours. And as you know, they reach down to congratulate him and find his body lifeless and gone. The answer to the question, how much does a land does a man need? Well, the truth is, just enough to be buried in. And here's the reality of that story, is that you can get so focused on gaining something that you don't realize what you can lose in the process. He only looked at everything he was going to gain, and he lost everything as a result of it. As you know, Jesus was amazing at everything. He was a great teacher of theology, horticulture, biology, zoology, agriculture. He was also a great teacher of mathematics. He wanted to educate and desired to educate his disciples on a, a principle, and so he uses a mathematical equation to help them understand the difference of gain versus profit. So the first math equation that he introduces them to is in verse number 25, if you'll look there. What is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world? So this is the math equation that the world buys into. We'll call it G equals P or gain equals profit. To gain means to obtain or secure or to increase in something. But to profit means to have something that is valuable and that contributes to your welfare. Gain and profit are not the same, but the way the world looks at it is if you gain something, that automatically means that you've profited. I've gained, because I've gained something, therefore it's, a, it's known that I have profited. It's a done deal. I gained this overtime. Therefore, because I get overtime, I get time and a half, I have profited. I gained this new car, therefore, I have profited. I gained this position and this promotion in a company or in a group, therefore, I have profited. I gained this relationship that I have long desired, therefore, I have profited. I gained this gratification for which I am hungry, and therefore, because I have it and I am satisfied, I have profited. 
I have gained a vindication that I have long deserved and been thirsty for. And now that I have this vindication, I have profited. Gain equals profit. That's how the world views it. If I gain, I move from a two-bedroom house to a five-bedroom house. Therefore, that is a profit. I went from a vehicle with this many miles to a vehicle with much fewer miles, and that is a profit. I went from a building with no heat or where people forgot how to use the heat or where people had a rough time when we didn't turn on the heat, which, by the way, if you want to know the philosophy about temperature around here, it's this, make everybody mad and keep everybody uncomfortable. That's the philosophy. Some of you are going to take that way too seriously. It's just a joke. (laughs) Two, now I have all of these amenities. And therefore, any gain that I have, it automatically means that I'm profiting. And you understand what that's like in your own thinking. If I get more of something, that means I am profiting. As Jesus is teaching this, as the greatest mathematician of all time he realizes and wants them to the disciples to understand there's a problem with that formula there is a deceptiveness there is a self-deception with that formula and here's the truth about it you can't know the profit of a thing based only on the gain how big the gain is is not the only determining factor And whether or not something was a profit. There is another part of the equation that must be factored in. And that again is in verse number 25. For what is a man advantaged or what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Here's the second part of the equation that is so often left out in the world and tragically in the life of believers. And lose himself or be cast away. See, every gain comes with a loss of something. Every gain comes with a loss of something. Gain does not equal profit. The only way to know the level of profit is to factor in the level of loss. Jesus said it this way, For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world, and here's the lost side, and lose himself or be cast away. If you gain the whole world, or if you're able to run around a hundred mile section of land and yet lose yourself, you lose your life, or lose your soul, then how much have you really profited? So here's the correct formula. It's gain minus loss equals profit. Here's the problem. Gains are deceptive. Sometimes the gain is so easy to see that we don't calculate the loss. It's the philosophy that the world buys into and uh, we, we get so enamored with, man, this just, look at, look at all, look at all that I'm gaining And yet sometimes the losses don't show up until later. Gain is blinding. Gain is deceptive. Gains are more exciting to measure than the losses. You know, I love children's view of money. 
I mean, love it, meaning I'm cracked up by it. It actually is annoying. But, I, like, hey, I have five ones, and they have a 50. I have five of these. I'll trade you for your one. Well, yes, sweet. Going to be a loan shark for my children. <laughs> you tell your kids, like, hey, Dad, can you buy that for me? Son, that costs $75, and... Do you know how much money that is? No, but you're rich. I'm glad you think that. Tell your mom. <laughs> Did you know you were married to a rich man? <laughs> she was like, yeah, he's rich in something. Anyway, I'm sidetracked there. Gains are more exciting to measure than the losses, and gains are immediately seen, but losses take longer to see, and the profit doesn't always immediately the profit, real profit, isn't always obvious. But here's the point, that we can gain so much that we think there's no loss, and yet in the end, the loss is greater than the gain. And what we thought was so significant, it turns out to be unprofitable. Every gain comes with a loss. Here's the point I want you to get, is that there are times when the tragedy of what we lose is much greater than the gain that we were hungry for. Rich Piana, I don't know that any of you would know his name. In certain circles, he's very famous. He's a world-renowned bodybuilder. He won his first, some of you are shaking your heads, you know who I'm talking about. He won his first contest at 18. He won overall, meaning every division, he was the best at 18. He was well known for his use of and defense of steroids. In his own words, he said this. He didn't advocate. I'm not advocating for anybody else to use them, but I'm able to use them without it costing me greatly. These are quotes that he said. You need to be aware, educated, and willing to do whatever it takes to remain healthy and keep the body healthy. Remember, this is longevity. We want to be doing this in our 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, and it's important for me to live a long life. He added, bodybuilding is not my main objective in life. It's just something I do on the side, except for his entire life was built around it. <laughs> so I would never in a million re years risk ruining my health or ruining my future in order to do bodybuilding. And yet at the age of 46, he was found dead in his home with 20 bottles of testosterone and other things that he was using to gain. See, here's the truth. If you give yourself to gaining, please get this. Please get this. If you give yourself to gaining, you don't control the level of loss. No, we, we give ourselves and we think that we can handle it and we think that we can remain in control, but there are certain thresholds that once you cross them, 
that once you step into that abyss, once you step into that void, you, sir, you, ma'am, are no longer in control. Young people, the same thing is true for you. You think that you can be in control of the losses, but there are gains to which if you give yourself in order to pursue them relentlessly, you no longer are in control of how much you lose. That has already been set in motion by factors that you gave up control over once you decided to pursue a course. And the result for Rich and the result for so many others in what Jesus was trying to warn his disciples about. You are living in a world that is consumed with gain. In order to follow me, think about the context of the passage, please. In order to follow me, I'm telling you that you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. That means there are some things that you're not going to be able to gain if you want to truly follow me. And you're going to be tempted to lay down that cross and to pursue those gains. But just because you've gained something doesn't mean it's necessarily an eternal profit. Let me give you some examples. You can gain the overtime and the monetary gain that comes with that overtime. But you've lost time with that teenage son or daughter. And there are some of you right now that need to ask yourself in 30 years, well, I wish that I could trade that $1,000 extra I made a week for one hour more a week with my son or my daughter. No, I understand the pressures. I understand the pressures. But I also know that one day when I am dying, and if God lets me have awareness when I'm dying, I'm not going to be thinking about how much money I had or didn't have. I'm going to be thinking about the moments that I didn't waste or I did waste with my children. You gained relief with a substance. No, I get it that anxiety and depression and scars and abuses, both physical and mental, are real things. I get it that failures can weigh on us. I get that guilt and that hopelessness can consume us. And so people, and, and look, our wicked governments are making it legal for people basically to do anything they want with any substance that they want, and we are justifying it for the purpose of just not hurting anymore. And so you gain some temporary relief from the, uh, the, the, the shadows of abuse. You gain some temporary relief from the shadows of guilt. You gain some temporary relief from the anxiety and the hopelessness that you feel. And yet, here's what you lose. You lose awareness. And in your unaware state, you say things that your wife will never forget. You become unfaithful. No, I'm not going to throw statistics out to you, although I could. Do your research on an infidelity, how, much, how many times alcohol is involved in it. No, don't come to me and argue with me about, well, Jesus drank wine. I disagree with that. But don't argue with me about that. Argue with me about how much of a benefit is alcohol to people's marriages and to children that are abused and to homes that are impoverished. 
Don't talk to me about your liberty when it's costing you so much in so many other areas. You say, well, I disagree. Fine, disagree with it, but show me in the world where it's helping anybody. You gain something, sure. Mm, But there are people all over this world losing something. There are kids that are going to get beat today because in a stupor, their father or their mother lost control and she won't remember it. Somebody's going to die on a highway today And the person who did it won't remember a thing. You gained that car that you wanted, but you lost the $700 a month in a car payment. Which then led to other pressures. And other losses. You gain the position that you wanted, but it costs you a compromise of your principles and your convictions in order to get that position. And look, I'm all about promotions. I believe God promotes people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, but it's never of God when it causes a man or a woman to compromise eternally established truth. And you give that up in order for the promotion, and you lose so much of yourself. You gained a relationship, but you lost standards of purity and being on the same page spiritually. Look at me, young people. I'm all about romance. Man, I've been married for 22 years. I got eight kids. I like my wife. She likes me most of the time. I'm all about romance. But I'm all about romance God's way. And there are people today trying to teach you to gain romance outside of the means and the parameters that God has established. And there better be some moms and dads that wake up to that reality and you don't just send your children off to figure it out for themselves. Well, that worked for me. Just because God in his grace showed kindness to you doesn't mean you need to be careless with your own children. God put you in in their life to have an opinion about the decisions that they're making. And look at me, young men, don't you pursue the gain of gratification that is going to cost you so much profit down the road. Young ladies, don't you ever give up what God gave you for something that he wants to give you down the road. And he has so much profit he wants to add into your life. To our single adults, I get it that it's frustrating. Does it ever feel like as a single adult, there are no saved, sane people in the world? I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. I'm just asking. Like, there is literally no good singles anymore. You ever feel like that? Nobody? Okay, fine. I'll just, I'll just preach because I like this point. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, we, we lower God's expectations for the kind of person that we're supposed to pursue because we just want to gain something. But we lose so much profit when we settle for marrying someone that's not on the same page spiritually as they're supposed to be. It's no profit down the road. In fact, it'll cost you many times down the road. You gain the 
the satisfaction of not admitting, man, I never admit that I'm wrong. Well, good for you. But eventually, you'll lose the respect of your children. Mamas, if your children never hear you be honest with them and admit that, yeah, you got that one wrong. Dads, if your children never hear you be honest with, well, I've never got anything wrong with my children, then there's another sin you need to be at the altar about. Lose so much respect with them. Break, break friendships over pride. You gain a vindication. Well, I'm not. I will not forgive that. Good. And then you're going to rob yourself of things that God could have done down the road. Your life. You gain more convenience, but you lose a church family where you're challenged and where you grow. Here's the statement. And then I'll give a few just a few filtering thoughts. Don't live for a gain. Live for a profit. Don't live to gain. Live to profit. So how do you do that? Three things. I'll go through them quickly. Number one, know what the Bible says. <laughs> what do you mean? Know what the Bible says. Oh, let me give you an example, young men. I mean, I can tell you're so excited about this message right now, so let me just go ahead and give it to you. You in the flowery coat. Come stand up here by me. In case you couldn't tell, this one is my offspring as well. And I approve of his taste. Amen. Doesn't mean I would wear them, but he's finding himself, and I'm happy with that. And God made flowers, hallelujah, didn't he? No, Jaden is a smart kid. Jaden has talent. Jaden has different abilities. And there are going to be times when Jaden feels like it would be more of a gain to disobey his father. Man, that old man doesn't know what he's talking about. No, look, he's never said those exact words to me for a number of reasons because he, <laughs> he values his life. But I wouldn't be surprised if those thoughts crossed his mind. No, 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 look, your children are going to wrestle with stuff. No, you're, we'll talk about it more tonight. Let me just throw out an advertisement. Be back tonight. It's really helpful for parenting and other things. Mm, but my, my son's going to wrestle with us, and maybe I tell him, he says, Dad, you know, there, there's, there's the, this, the, Dad, Dad, there's this, this girl. I'm like, Son, did you clean your room this morning? Well, well, you know, Dad, that's not fair. Do you have a job yet? Well, Dad, you know, do you have your license? Well, no. Have you graduated high school? No. Are you ready to get married? No. Then you're not ready to talk about a girl to me. So just stop. <laughs> okay, no. Let, I'm, I'm trying to help everybody in here, so please pay attention. Young men, you can be convinced. And I, my kids know they're allowed to wrestle with things and talk to me about it. I'm exaggerating some of this. But in his mind, he can think, my dad doesn't know what he's talking about, and I want to gain her. But if he would just know what the Bible says and submit to that, which is what? Children, obey your parents. Well, what if I don't like what they say? Jesus didn't ask. <laughs> well, what if he's not considering my feelings? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. Even though your father doesn't love you like he should, tell it to Jesus alone. 
Okay, sorry, that, I should have left that out anyway. <laughs> no, Jaden has the capacity to say, I really want to gain this, but the Bible says I should do this. And by just knowing what the Bible says and doing it, you protect yourself from significant loss. Can I encourage you with this? This is free. Get off of social media and get in the word of God. Know what the Bible says. No, know what the Bible says. Know what the Bible says about your life and your circumstances. If all you're getting of the word of God is what is coming from this pulpit, I hope it's good. I hope it's productive. I hope it's helpful. I hope it encourages. I know that what you get from Brother Adam, I know what our teens get from Brother Robbie, I know what the young adults get from Brother Fiavai and Brother Nate. I know what they're getting in the classes with Brother Dave and Miss Tina and Miss Tina and G. Young and Miss Nicole and Yelena and Miss Megan and Miss Brenda and others. I know what they're getting with Brother Z. I know what they're getting in the royal airs with Brother Don. And then when he's out, Brother Dan. I know that it's good, but you need more. You need more. Know what the Bible says. And then just trust that he knows. Do you believe that Jesus wants your prophet more than you do? And just obey what's in the Bible. Like what? Forgive each other. Be nice. I'm amazed at how, being, how much being nice can protect us from. <laughs> what do you mean be nice? Be ye kind, one to another. Liberal coffee shops didn't come up with that. You're, Pastor, you're just trying to be trendy. First you put on those new glasses. Then you let your son wear that kind of sports coat. You are obviously compromising. And now you're quoting liberal coffee shops. No, I'm not. The problem is you spend more time in a coffee shop than you do in the word of God. And you think kindness is some liberal mantra that came out. No, it's the mantra of Jesus. Be nice to people. Just do what the Bible says. Know what the Bible says. Number two, I don't know if I need you anymore, but just stay up here so you don't have to come back up later. <laughs> Number two, how to live for profit. Number two, pray and think. No, pray and think. Look, as believers, we go into one of two ditches. Sometimes we think without praying. Sometimes we pray without thinking. You realize that God created both prayer and thought? You go back to the book of Matthew, or Luke, I'm sorry, and when Joseph was trying to figure out what to do with Mary when she was found to be with child and they weren't yet come together, the Bible says, while he thought on these things, use the brain that God's given you and filter your thinking through prayer. Let me say something else. Don't filter your thinking through social media. Young people, I don't care how popular it is. I don't, man, I'm amazed at the number of young people that are doing damage to themselves because of TikTok trends. Stop filtering your thinking through what a bunch of other teenagers are doing. They also don't have jobs. They also didn't clean their room. 
If they are able to make 17 TikTok videos a day, they're not doing their chores. They're not doing their schoolwork like they need to. And you say, you just sound like an old fogey. I want to protect you. Think. You got a brain. Look at me, young ladies. You are smart. No, I'm going to say it again. And, And they think I'm about to set them up. I'm not setting them up. The blonde ones... The brunette ones, all the other ones, wherever it falls in between that, you're smart. You know how I know that? Because God gave you a brain. Use it. Guys, through the filter of prayer. You know what's good for these young men is good for these less young men out here. You haven't lived so long that you don't need to thoughtfully take things to God in prayer. Like, well, pastor, I've got this handled. Yeah, maybe, maybe you've deceived yourself with the idea of some gain and you need to consider long-term profit. Think and pray. Last thing, you're almost done, Jaden. Seek counsel outside of yourself. This is almost a, a direct quote from Pastor Hardy. Getting counsel is one of the best ways to calculate the loss. If you aren't willing to get counsel because you don't want to hear the other side of it, you're going to profit very little. So, okay, let me, just, let me just play this out. So, Dad, there's this boy. <laughs> you didn't even hear me, Daddy. <laughs> so, Mom... <laughs> Mom, there's a, where's a lady I can look at? <laughs> Mom, <laughs> there's this girl. Can you imagine, Sete? One day, <laughs> he's going to come to you. He's going to be like, <laughs> and you're going to be like, son, that's not the right kind of girl. <laughs> Y'all know Y'all know why we don't want to ask advice? Because we don't want to hear the potential loss. We just don't want to hear the truth about what we're thinking about doing. So you ask the right people. Let's say it again. Seems to be a theme. The right people aren't in the ethos of X and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. The right people probably are ones that you can look in the face. Ask a pastor. You know the hard thing about asking your pastor? I've had this happen before. People call me, I miss it, I call them, they miss it. They call me, I miss it, I call them, they miss it. And I literally believe that's Satan just trying to discourage a situation. Like, well, busy, blah, blah, blah. No, just keep trying. Just keep trying. And then it's amazing. You know what God does in a church? He brings other people. Like Brother Adam. Brother Adam is not in this position because I looked at Brother Adam and said, well, he's my favorite elf, and he's the one that gets to be up here. I don't even know where elf came from, Brother Adam, <laughs> but my kids think elves are really cool, so whatever. Like, brother, he's my favorite, so I'm just going to put him in. You know what I did? I sought God for it, 
and, and I was patient, and I waited on the Lord to bring me the right person. And you know what's already happened in a short couple of months? People have said, I went to Brother Adam to get some advice, and it was helpful to me. Can I ask you to do this when you're getting advice? Get advice from people that will tell you the truth regardless of how you feel. And get people that are advice from people that are demonstrating the kind of life that you want to live. Don't go to people for affirmation. Go to people for profit. What do you mean? What do you mean? Talk to people that will tell you the truth even when you don't like it. You know what's so great about preaching? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Vi. <laughs> is what you preaching? If it's biblical, it's profitable. You know what's not great about preaching? It doesn't encourage you in all the ways you want to gain. You got to be honest and say, you know what? My attitude has been all about me gaining. My work trajectory has been all about me gaining. My, my, the things that I'm hiding from my parents and my attitude, it's all about me gaining. And some of you are pursuing gains to the loss of great profit. And one day, like that fictional character in the story at the beginning, you're going to collapse in a pile of nothing. Because you gave up so much and profited so little. Don't live for a gain. Live for a profit. Jaden, you can be seated. I'm convicted I need to say this. Salvation comes as a result of you being willing to admit, I'm a sinner and there is nothing I can do to save myself. And then you trust in Jesus and he saves you. So many people want salvation. They want a relationship with God. By gaining it, you can't gain it. He has to give it. And if you hang on to your pride, you'll spend eternity regretting it. You want the profit of salvation? Humble yourself and let him give it to you. Stop trying to gain salvation and receive it this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'll ask one question. How many of you would say there are areas in my life where I am living for gain and not for profit? I am focused more on what I gain immediately and I'm not factoring in what I can lose. And some of you would even have to admit I am losing right now. There are things that I am legitimately losing because I have lived for the wrong thing. I am only gaining I'm not thinking about the loss. And the result is what I thought was a gain is turning out to be so unprofitable. I am living for gain and not for profit. There are areas in my life where God has convicted me. I was already aware of it, that I pursued gain, but I've lost so much profit or I could lose so much profit. And I need God to help me to reorder some things in my life this morning to begin to pursue profit over gain. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, yep, that's me. I've lived for the gain and not for the profit. Put them up before the Lord. Yep, I see. all over. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And let's be honest with Jesus. Let's talk to him. Brother Nate's going to begin to sing, and as he does, you respond to the Lord. Lord, help
Help us to be honest with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand as Brother Nate sings, You Respond to the Lord.